This is a Baby Brunch podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. FedHealth's FlexiFed 2 and 3 options offer superb maternity and childhood benefits, including its free FedHealth baby program to see members through their pregnancy and parenting journeys. Choose FedHealth for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice, flexibility and control, and that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey. FedHealth. We let you be you. Everyone and welcome to another special broadcast brought to you by Parents and Baby Brunch. This special broadcast is brought to you by Fed Health, also supported by Epimax and Jacaranda FM. Now today we're talking allergies and we brought in a doctor that understands allergies better than anyone that I know. Dr. Sehofatsu Mabilani is a mother of three. All her children are below the ages of 10. She's the first only HPCA certified family physician allergy subspecialist in South Africa. So she obtained her subspeciality qualification in South Africa. And then she also completed an allergy exam with the Academy of Allergy and Clinical Immunology under the European Union and Medical Specialists. Her passion is basically working with underserved communities. And today she's giving her time to teach us as parents. Doctor, what does an allergy look like? I mean, when people come and see you usually, what do they come and see you about? They come and see me about an allergic reaction from different parts of the body. So it could either be in the lungs, which is called asthma, on the skin, which is called eczema, or it could be in the nose, which is called hay fever or allergic rhinitis. Or they could even have an allergic reaction to food where they come out in hives, flushed, runny tummy, different symptoms uh, that are happening in the, in, the, in the body. All of this sounds very familiar to us because most of us as moms and as parents, we've had to deal with some kind of allergic reaction. If one says an allergic reaction, what, what is an allergic reaction? What happens in the body? It's just basically the immune system playing naughty. So the immune system has an abnormal reaction to something that's normally harmless, for example, milk. Milk is completely harmless to anybody else, but somebody who has an allergic reaction has an abnormal reaction to milk, and they would break out in hives, um, runny nose, tummy ache, or any other allergic symptoms. So you just said it now that for some people it might be harmless, and then for others it's something, right? So would one call that a trigger? And what triggers it? Why can you have milk and I can't? Or uh, I'm allergic to most inhalants, so why can you have beautiful flowers and I have to avoid the lilies? Quite interesting question. I'll just put it simple. So the immune system is built to actually fight against certain antibodies or certain viruses or fungus. So what happens is when you have an allergic reaction, your antibodies, instead of fighting against a certain parasite, they actually produce antibodies against um, uh, what we call an allergen, such as in milk or pollen in grass or trees and so on. And so that's why your, your immune system would then react in such, a, in, a, in such an abnormal way. How would a parent know if, if a child has an allergy? I mean... We're talking different symptoms. So how do I know it's an allergic reaction? What, what would show us? What are the symptoms? A typical allergic reaction happens when you're exposed to whatever it is that triggers you. You would have symptoms within zero to two hours. For example, if you have peanut, within zero to two hours, you would immediately start coughing, have be short of breath, break out in hives, and so on and so on. However... There are different allergic reactions where one which, which can happen in a delayed form, meaning that when you get a trigger, 
you actually start expressing symptoms three days or one week down the line. Mm. Is, that, is that a different type of allergy? I mean, why would some present itself in one to two hours and some only later on? That basically um, happens when certain antibodies are not, uh, are not involved in an, in, in an allergic reaction. So remember I said the immune system gets involved. We have what we call IgE, which a lot of people would go for testing, either as blood tests or skin tests. And the doctor is able to pick up an antibody that's called IgE. So if the immune system initiates a reaction by using this IgE antibody, you're able to start expressing symptoms quickly within zero to two hours. However, when IgE antibody is not involved, meaning other kind of cells are involved, the reaction is therefore delayed and it appears, you know, within days or weeks. Why does one assume, and I've heard this a few times, that when you have an allergic reaction that you have the same symptoms as someone who has COVID-19? Is that quite common? It is quite common. There is an overlap of symptoms because, for instance, if you have allergic rhinitis or hay fever, you would feel tired, have a runny nose, blocked nose, you know, sore throat, sometimes headache. However, you will not have fever. Whereas with COVID-19, you can have similar symptoms and you commonly would have fever with that. So the symptoms do overlap and it does get confusing, especially now with change of season and people's allergies are beginning to flare up. You know, if you're asthmatic, you start coughing, be short of breath, and it's just easy to start thinking that you've got COVID-19. Allergies, it's such an interesting topic. And I want to talk pregnancy and allergies now. While we are pregnant, we are told to avoid certain foods for many different reasons. And then also because our unborn baby could become allergic or be born with an allergy. Is that a myth? Is it true? That is a Important question to ask, Elena. Thank you so much for asking me that. Uh, because a lot of mothers would refrain from allergens, you know, from peanut and so on, thinking that their unborn baby would become allergic to it. But that's completely not true. That is a myth. That is something that um, people used to believe in the past. But scientifically, it's been proven that one should be exposed, you know, an unborn baby should be exposed to as many allergens as possible. So when you're pregnant, you should just eat a variety of um, healthy food and get your baby exposed to any kind of allergenic food. Yeah. I want to take two steps back. So we're talking, we're talking allergens. Break that down for me. What is an allergen? An allergen is that substance that is within a certain food that the immune system recognizes as an enemy. And when it sees it as an enemy, it starts producing antibodies against that substance. And that's why you start seeing expression of symptoms, uh, allergy symptoms. So we are pregnant and a pregnant mom wants to treat her allergy symptoms. How does one do that? A pregnant, a pregnant mom should treat her allergy symptoms depending on what they are allergic to. So, for instance, if they have asthma, they should use an inhalant. If they have allergic rhinitis, they could use a nasal spray. If they have eczema, they can use a cream all these different kinds of allergic medication have one thing in common. They have steroids, which basically keeps the inflammation of the immune system down. Um, and it's quite important for pregnant mothers to understand that they should not stop taking their allergy medication because most of them are quite safe. You know, they are, they are topical, they're local. I strongly advise moms taking things like oral steroids, prednisone, or injections such as you know, injectable steroids, 
that's more harmful because it goes into the body and the body has to digest and therefore they become exposed to side effects, which can be harmful. So how important is it? I mean, you, you go for your checkups and doctor always asks, you know, I mean, I, I'm allergic to, to quinolone, so I've got a medical allergy. And, and a lot of the times you see that it's not on your file or it's not marked red. How important is it to establish allergies before you even start falling pregnant? Is that a thing? Can you together with your blood test say, you know, I would like to do an allergy test as well because I want to be safe with baby? It's such a frustration at the moment that I'm experiencing because a lot of people want to know what they're allergic to. And, you know, they go to their doctors, they get tested. And let me just say that when you are born to, um, from a mom or a dad who has allergies, it means that genetically you're also predisposed. And we call that atopic. So if you, if you go for testing... Commonly, you would pick up antibodies against certain foods. For instance, if you go for this food panel, you know, trying to test against milk, peanut, soy, or seafood, the antibodies will come up. So it will come up positive. But that does not mean that you're allergic. You have to have symptoms for you to be allergic. So let me just rephrase that and put it in simple terms. It is very common to go for testing because you want to know what you're allergic to. And if you're an atopic individual, the tests will pick up antibodies, IgEs, and that can be seen as a positive, but it's not an allergy. It just means that you are sensitized. You just produce antibodies, but you're not allergic. And I, you know, a lot of people have to be very cautious of that um, because they would start eating seafood, for instance, if seafood comes up positive, whereas they're not allergic. They just have antibodies, but they're not allergic. So then how does one establish whether you have the allergy or not? You think you're doing yourself a favor by going to your GP and they prick your arm and then they send back your blood and they come back with a result that usually no one understands. <laughs> <laughs> Those results are quite tricky to understand. Look, you cannot be allergic if you're not expressing symptoms against a certain allergen. Like I said, the immune system can produce IgE depending on your genetic makeup, the immune system can produce IgE against certain allergens. But if you're not expressing symptoms, you cannot test against that. So there is no way you can screen for allergy. You have to have symptoms. And to confirm that, um, I do what we call an, a challenge. So if you're allergic to a certain food and you're not really sure, I do an oral food challenge and I give you the food in my office over a certain period of time, there are protocols. And one is able to pick up if you're actually expressing symptoms towards that allergen. So that's, that's a way to, you know, a golden way to confirm diagnosis of that particular allergen. But through a blood screen, you can't, you can't say that, you know, you can't confirm if you're allergic or not. Oh, wow. So you, you do this test in your office where you actually, so, so I'm allergic to bananas. I, I used to be and not anymore, but you would have given me bananas to see if there's a reaction. And, and you do that by basically, like you say, uh, you follow protocol and, and you watch, you see. Absolutely. You say you're allergic to quinolone. A lot of people are allergic to, not a lot of people, but people think they're, they're allergic to penicillin. Um, and you know, penicillin allergy can be outgrown over, say, 10, over t a period of 10 years. So it's important to see an allergy specialist to do tests and do this challenge. So you'd get penicillin in the form of a syrup or an injection over a period of time. And one is able to pick up if your immune system is now able to tolerate and no longer allergic. So these kind of tests are quite 
which are called challenges, are quite important to confirm if you're allergic or not. So you just said something that interests me. So I want to talk food allergy. I want to touch on, because you just mentioned penicillin. It's a fear of mine knowing that any baby or child could be allergic to penicillin and they are given it, right? And usually we don't know. So doctor will go, is she allergic to penicillin? And you go, I don't know. You know, let's try. I don't, baby needs to get better, but we don't, we don't know. So food allergies. Okay. To establish if there's a food allergy, you giving your baby food for the first time and it's solids and you've never given them food and they're four months or five months or six months, however old, and you're giving food for the first time. How do you know whether your baby is allergic? The only way to find out is when you give the baby that food. Wow. Okay. Um, my, 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 my middle child has egg allergy and I mean, I didn't know. Around six months, I introduced eggs and immediately he started vomiting. So the only way to find out is for you to actually give an allergen. Um, I have to say that we promote introducing allergen at an early age for four months, between four to six months. It's been clearly proven by research that introducing peanut, especially in, in, highly, in high risk patients, meaning in children that have eczema or egg allergy, it's quite important that you introduce peanut early between four to six months in order to um, prevent, uh, you know, allergy against peanut. So early introduction is quite important. Yeah. So you're saying, instead of saying, we're not going to give you peanuts because you're allergic to these other allergens, we're actually going to give it to you because we think that it can help you later yes. on. Yes. Yes. Hmm. What about what about medicine? So let's talk penicillin, quinolones, uh, any any medication allergy. How do you know if baby is allergic? And also homeopathic remedies. How do you know that baby is is going to be okay if they take it? Um, to know if you're allergic to something, you know, whether it's medication, whether it's food, whatever it is you have to be exposed to it. Your immune system has to give that response. You have to express symptoms against that particular you know, food or medication for you to know. There is no way of finding out if you're allergic or not unless you're exposed. Mm. For, with medication, it's still quite a challenge to try and prove through blood tests. But blood tests can't easily prove if you're allergic or not. So the way to prove is to do this challenge. In a safe environment, be with a doctor. If... If you feel that your child has had an allergic reaction to penicillin, you know, take them to the doctor's room, be with the child. Obviously, an allergy specialist does that. Mm. Um, and one is able to pick up if it is a real allergic reaction. Alana, it's quite interesting. You know, with penicillin, it's a bit tricky because when children have especially viral infections and they take penicillin antibiotic, they actually start having um, like a rush you know, a rush on their skin, on their body. And it's just, it can just easily scare mom when you think that your child is allergic, but they're actually, they're not. It's just that interaction between the virus and penicillin that gives that false allergic reaction. So it is quite important to establish if this is a true reaction or not. And that's easily done through a challenge. Now, I am interested in this challenge, especially because you are wanting to make your child better, but the challenging their own bodies is making that they are getting a rash. So let's say you do do this challenge, right? And they administer certain types of food, the allergens or the uh, medicine that you thought your child is allergic to. How do they reverse it? 
So this is why it's done as a protocol, meaning that we don't expose a child to high dose or normal dose of, of whatever treatment it is, penicillin, for instance. It would be given in small doses. And whenever there's a reaction, you know, we stop immediately. If there's any reaction to confirm before a child would get a hectic reaction, we would stop, give antihistamine if it's needed or adrenaline if something hectic or life-threatening happens. But this is done, you know, it's got to be done by an experienced mm -hmm. person that knows what they're doing and that has done it before and that knows what to do if anything comes up. Mm -hmm. um, what's quite interesting, you know, as an allergist, I deal a lot with the immune system, obviously. So if, if, your body re if your baby really needs penicillin, but for me, it's been such a passion because I've dealt with pregnant moms that have syphilis and that can only be treated by penicillin. Um, and I've had a good number of them that were allergic to penicillin, and it's been so rewarding, uh, what we call desensitization. Mm. So that means that you confuse the immune system to actually tolerate what they're allergic to. So somebody with penicillin allergy would go undergo desensitization, confusion of the immune system, so that the immune system starts tolerating what it's allergic to. But obviously with medication, this is... Um, temporary, you know, it's a temporary kind of confusion of the immune system. Once we stop the treatment, the body goes back to being allergic. When you said steroid, I can see some of us going, ah, steroid. <laughs> why do we, why do we experience the chills when we hear the word <laughs> steroid, doctor? Why I, are you I, giving I, our children steroids? I don't want to take a steroid. Why, why, why do we... <laughs> Why do we get chills? What what is what is good and bad about that word steroid? Why does it why does it make me feel itchy? <laughs> it freaks me out as well. I'm completely against systemic steroids. Okay, I always say to my patients, if I give you a list of what steroid does, starting with your head, it goes you makes you go crazy, be depressed, it makes you have cataracts in your eye in, in your eyes, you know, you thinning of your bones, you get high blood pressure, your sugar shoots up, your you get ulcers, a lot of hectic, terrible things that steroid does. Um, but the kind of steroid that you know one would prescribe is a topical one, meaning that you attack an inflammation exactly where it happens. So if you have eczema, it would be literally a cream on the skin. Mm. And that's it. If you have a allergic rhinitis, it's just in your nose. It doesn't go through the body to be digested and give you all these horrible side effects. So it has to be used smartly and one has to know how to use it. So with mm. eczema, you wouldn't just, you know, put a large amount of cream over the skin you know i teach about the fingertip method how to put it when to put it um and so on just so that you can minimize the side effects even topically wow what about bee sting you know children with bee sting pregnant mom with bee sting that's allergic children how, how do we how do we steroid that you can't steroid that. There's no role of steroid in that. Right. Um, I would just like to highlight that steroids do not treat a life-threatening reaction. Can I just repeat what I said? Because it's quite important. Steroids do not treat a life-threatening reaction. So with a bee sting or a bee allergy, um, you know, bee sting allergy, it's usually it usually results in life-threatening reaction. Mm. So one would um, have difficulty in breathing, cough, 
heart beating quite fast and some people would even pass out. Those are life-threatening kind of symptoms. And there's absolutely no role for a steroid that needs adrenaline, either in the form of an EpiPen or adrenaline as it is, you know. Um, things Medicine has advanced so much uh, and it's so rewarding because in allergy, one is able to do what I said, desensitization, and we call it immunotherapy. Mm -hmm. So when you have a baby that's allergic to bee or a mom that's allergic to bee, a pre pregnant mom, obviously we're trying to avoid this in pregnancy, mm -hmm. but once you have a baby that is allergic to bee sting, we are able to confuse the immune system so that it tolerates an allergen from the bee forever. So you are completely cured of that allergen. It's something that I promote. If you have a bee sting allergy, it usually produces life-threatening, deadly kind of symptoms. So it's important to go through this immunotherapy period over, over five years um, so that you're no longer allergic. The, the fear is just completely eliminated. Mm -hmm. You talked about something now. Did you say EpiPen for, for, for bee sting? Immediately, I think of um, adrenaline and and drugs. Like, what, What's the danger around carrying this pen around that could potentially save your life but could potentially be addictive? There is no danger in using adrenaline. So you'd rather just use adrenaline than not use adrenaline when you're unsure. Um, it is not addictive. It's it's just life-saving. Um, of course, we have to be cautious of, you know, people that are addicted to drugs uh, would prefer, would like to have that rush that you get from adrenaline. Because once you inject it, literally, it's, it's like you've seen a lion. <laughs> you know, you've got a lion running after you. So your heart is just <laughs> pumping so fast. You've got a headache. Um, and you're just on a high. That's what it does. Um, but if you're allergic... But it saves your life, it right? It saves your life. It saves, it saves your, your life. life. If, yeah. Right. Yeah. If, if you're allergic, it saves it your does. life. It does. Yes. And one should never be afraid to use it. Sorry, I, doctor, I had to correct the fact that I'm <laughs> laughing because you said you see a lion. And I'm sorry that I'm giggling about it. But you're right. Something that could be life-saving to to you could be harmful for someone who's addicted to drugs but i is that the feeling you get when you use when you use adrenaline it is the that rush yeah it is the feeling that you get so one would just think that you're having an, another allergic reaction or you know what could be happening but it's you know patients should just know once you administer adrenaline you're gonna have that rush kind of feeling right yeah wow this is so i mean we've talked we've talked food allergies, um, allergens. Um, I, I want to stay with pregnancy and the idea of being pregnant and having, I'll tell you what happened. So in one of our podcasts on, on Baby Brunch, the parenting series, we have a mom, Lydia, who had a little baby and she didn't know what is happening to her baby, covered in red welts. And this went on for quite a bit of time. So go and look on, on our, our podcast platform to, to see and to listen to, to this podcast. If you're a mom suffering from allergies or also um, have, have a newborn that, that is suffering from allergies. And eventually she didn't. And, and it turned out that her baby had a gluten allergy. But this is something that she found out because she started eliminating certain foods. I mean, hers was so bad that if I had to have carrot cake and hold her baby the baby would react, you know, I would be a trigger. How can we help moms with newborns who are going through the same thing if a doctor couldn't pick it up? I mean, where do we go? 
yeah. other than to your office? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like to educate moms that when these blood tests are done, look, when you know your baby has an allergic reaction, you know it, you see it. There's just no doubt about it. So when a mom, right. um, you know, goes to a doctor and says, I think my baby is allergic to it, to this, there's just no doubt about it because they probably have seen some kind of symptom. Mm-hmm. Um, the tests that are done are usually general tests. Okay, they would do a food screen or, um, you know, this generalized kind of tests, but it's important to do component. And what that means, Elena, is that For example, if you're allergic to apple, it's possible that you're allergic to the pulp and not the peel. Right. And so when you do um, an allergy test, a generalized allergy test, um, you know, and and, and sometimes you you might miss it if you don't do component. So if something just wishy washy comes out, it's important to either repeat the test because remember, there's also technical error, meaning mm-hmm. that there's been an error with the lab. But it's also quite critical to do a component and see in wheat because the test that's done, you know, the test for, for antibodies is for wheat. In wheat, what can one be allergic to? What's the, what's the component? Gluten, what kind of gluten? What, is that life-threatening? There are different components that are able to, to tell a doctor, is that a life-threatening kind of reaction or just a mild, um, to result in a mild kind of reaction. Mm -hmm. And I would like to introduce this concept of of, of oral allergy uh, uh, syndrome, which means that when you have um, allergic rhinitis or hay fever, you can eat certain foods and start expressing symptoms. So you're not allergic to that, to, to to banana, for instance, but you're actually allergic to pollen. And so, you know, it's, it's with the kind of tests that are done in interpretation, it can be a bit tricky. My advice is any mom that sees a doctor also ask for the doctor to test for components. Right. Okay, test for components. Doctor, I'm really enjoying this because you're saying so many things. And in a while, I want to talk about asthma and also some of the inhalants that you talked about and, and medications around that. Can a baby be allergic to breast milk? It is very uncommon. Um, no, a baby cannot be allergic to breast milk. A baby can be allergic to something that the mom might have probably eaten, dairy, for example. And then, you know, mm. the baby could easily get it when you're breastfeeding, dairy from the breast milk. So the baby's not allergic to breast mm. milk, but allergic to the dairy antigen in the breast milk. And that can easily be done by mom eliminating dairy, but continuing to breastfeed mm. because it's not the breast milk, but a certain allergen that the mom is is exposed to or exposing baby to through breastfeeding. Simply, like give us give us some tips on how to eliminate foods. So baby is reacting and you know that it's something that you've eaten. How do how does one do that over the time? Um I I I, I am very much against um food elimination because it gets very confusing. Mm. Um and I mean b- growing babies need their nutrients, they need their vitamins, you know, they're growing. Um it's not advice advisable to just generally eliminate. So it's very important to pick up exactly what a baby is allergic to. Um and the only time where uh, uh, uh when we eliminate is when we have confirmed that there's a definite allergy to that food. But there are certain allergies, and I'll give you an example with egg allergy. 
there are certain components, here comes components again, mm. that a baby might be allergic to. So the role of elimination would be to eliminate, you know, anything that's fried or fresh. Scrambled egg, fresh egg, uh, fresh egg is some of the cream on a cake. Uh, but the baby's able to tolerate baked food. So they can have, you know, they can have cookies, muffins, and so on. Um, and so it's, it's very important to establish exactly what component babies are allergic to. So that elimination is just not a general, an umbrella or a blanket elimination. Mm-hmm. It's elimination with, 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 you know, leaving, uh, letting something that the baby is not allergic to to remain in their diet. Right. That's quite important. Can babies be allergic to formula? Why are there so many on the market? Yes, yes. Babies can be allergic to different kinds of milk, so cow's milk or soy, um, depending what formula they have an allergic reaction to. So certain components in cow... Um, and cow's milk can be, make baby allergic. Um, there are certain formulas that have, and I'm not going to mention names, that have this hypoallergenic. So babies that are allergic to formula or cow's milk in the formula should not be put on hypoallergenic because hypoallergenic does not mean that the immune system will not be able to tolerate. The milk has to be broken down. So it, you know, if your if your if your baby is allergic to cow's milk formula. One has to convert to either amino acid or any other kind of formula that your doctor would advise you. But I want, I want to warn mothers against hypoallergenic milk. That does not mean that the immune system will not be able to, um, to identify allergen in that particular milk. Why do we put so many creams on our babies? They've taught us that when there's an allergy in the baby to apply a cream or uh, a petroleum or an emollient will protect the baby and therefore the allergies will disappear. I had this when, when one of my kids showed asthmatic symptoms and doctor checked her tummy and she said, ah, dry tummy. And I was like, huh? a dry tummy for, I don't get it. And I had to ask, is there a relation? There is a definite relation. In the beginning of our interview, we spoke a little bit about atopy, that genetic predisposition. And that, what that means is baby can easily be allergic in the beginning with in the form of skin allergy, so in the form of eczema. And then later on, when you start introducing food, then they start manifesting symptoms against food. So they have food allergy. And then they grow up a bit and they go to preschool around that age. They start having hay fever and they get older and they start having um, asthma. So that's what we call the allergic match. You know, it's quite it's quite common for babies to start with eczema at a young age and much on to get ultimately to, to asthma. Applying emollients would not necessarily protect you against asthma. So when doctor looked and looked at the tummies, because when you assess a baby, you're not just looking at the chest. If you're thinking about the allergic match, you're trying to identify what am I dealing with? Am I just only seeing eczema or should I be looking out for food allergy or or, or something in the nose, hay fever? or asthma. So it's a holistic kind of assessment. And it's just important that you one controls the immune system, um, you know, whether whether a trigger is happening on the skin or on uh, in the chest. Applying emollients is especially important quite early, um, especially in patients that have eczema. You know, there are certain 
there's there's a certain percentage of patient of 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 babies that have eczema that can have food allergy later on. So it's quite important to protect the skin because the skin acts as a barrier against allergens or this harsh uh, uh, um, substances that that wake up the immune system so that you you know mm-hmm. so that you start showing inflammation you know in the form of eczema or asthma or so on um emollients protect so when the skin is very dry it's quite easy if you think about a wall or bricks and mortar if you have a crack it's quite easy if if you know for water to leak mm-hmm. in or any kind of thing that you don't want to to enter into the building so if the skin has has cracks it's quite easy for allergens to enter and start triggering the immune system sometimes it's quite um also easy for allergens for instance if you have a mom that's eating peanut and baby has eczema um peanut dust can easily enter into the skin and so the baby's uh, immune system start producing antibodies against peanut so when they eat peanut they start showing uh, um you know an allergic reaction towards peanut so it's important to to have a child that is predisposed to allergies have them protected in all the different um the different organs of the body especially the skin emollients are extremely crucial to also help with maintaining the skin hydrated so natural oils that somebody with dry skin would lose and emollient just helps to also keep that oil natural oil in mm-hmm. so a big thanks to epimax because epimax is an emollient and they support this the special broadcast so thanks team from from epimax also they send us a lot of a lot of amazing things to our parents and and baby brunch shows as well doctor you're saying all these things and immediately i start thinking now again to to the child who's in school so i'm walking away from baby now for a moment and i'm thinking of child in school that has walked the allergy path and is allergic to nuts how much can you say to the school i mean how can we protect our children they're sharing lunches some schools are preparing lunches in a kitchen um and they're allergic to nuts or to peanuts or they have a reaction to it um it's 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 a challenging one I mean peanut is peanut allergy is becoming more and more common in South Africa a recent study was also done in the Eastern Cape and in Cape Town you know that just shows that peanut allergy is is on the increase in South Africa and it's about mm-hmm. time that schools are become more aware and have some kind of measures to try and protect children that are allergic to peanut um I think our government should also be sensitized to that you know they should be on their alert and start a I do coming up with some kind of policies that would protect children mm-hmm. that have peanut allergy. The ideal thing is to not have children eating peanut. I know it sounds insensitive, but when you have a child with peanut, you would understand because peanut allergy is a killer. It usually mm-hmm. results in life-threatening, deadly kind of reactions. We have lost children because of peanut allergy. It's important for teachers to identify children that are allergic to to peanut and for moms to also come out when you when you have your child in a certain school come out tell the teachers that your child is allergic allergic to peanut so that they would have their lunch in a certain designated area this comes up obviously with um stigmatization you know if you know that mm. 
If you know that Ellen has to sit in that corner, oh poor Ellen, because she has peanut allergy. Um, you know, she can't sit around with her friends. It's a lot of stigmatization, and that's why I strongly believe that um, the Department of Education government has to jump in and come up with policies that would protect particularly against peanut allergy. Is it advisable if you now know that your child or that your baby is allergic to many things? In my case, I'm allergic to, to inhalants, and so... Um, Winter in Gauteng is a terrible time for us because there's no rain. And back home in Cape Town, it's also terrible because dad is a forester. So he's he's planted every possible tree that you can find. <laughs> Thanks, dad. In, in the <laughs> garden. So inhaling all of that is just a nightmare. It's a nightmare. So we wake up with an antihistamine every single day and every month we interchange with another one. Is that safe? I hear you, Elena. Um, pollen allergy is on the peak in Cape Town. I mean, it's winter. I'm sorry, in, in, in Gauteng. Yeah. It's winter. And I literally, when I walked out this morning, I could just feel the pollen load because I personally have allergic rhinitis. Um, pollen is a problem. And using antihistamine is a temporary fix. There's no harm in using antihistamine, especially second generation, not things like um, allergics, you know, sedative mm. kind of old school. Or, or, they're now a newer generation kind of antihistamine, yes. which I think a lot of people use now. Um, it's 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 a quick fix. So you're just trying to mop where a tap is open. You know, the mm. water will just keep flowing. It it's a mess. <laughs> What's important to use is I take you back again and I say it's a steroid. Because you, you're trying to tap down that inflammation in the form of a, mm-hmm. of a, of a, of a spray. So any kind of, there is, there is just no superior steroid. It doesn't matter how cheap it is, as long as it's a nasal steroid, it works. And of course, right. you know, there are other options. For me, that likes to manipulate the immune system. Um, in selected patients, I am able to confuse the immune system so that you're no longer allergic, especially to those patients that have pollen allergy or house night. One is able to just um, do immunotherapy and then you're cured. You no longer have um, any allergic reaction or against that, that pollen or whatever allergen it is in the environment. Is it, is it the same for when you want to get a dog or a cat and, and you know that your child is allergic and you really want them to have a pet? Can you do the same kind of treatment? Yes, it's the same kind of treatment. Some people have done their own homemade immunotherapy where they're allergic to dogs and they just buy dogs, they keep dogs. And over a period of time, you know, they sort of tolerate their own dog and they're able to live with a dog. Um, but yeah, basically that would be, it's not a, it's, it sounds like a homeopath. I have no experience with homeopath and there's no scientific evidence um, that I can give for homeopath. But uh, immunotherapy is basically something like that, getting something that you're allergic to in the form of either an injection or a drop over a period of time and you're able to tolerate it. Right, right. So we have all these videos going around on the WhatsApp groups and these scientists from all over the world are speaking to us and they're wearing a white jacket and they're saying in order to be healthy and to be cured from COVID-19, you need to have vitamin D and zinc and uh, chewable vitamin C and there's all kinds of remedies. Is it possible for someone to be allergic to a vitamin D or C or something as common as that? Interesting question, Elena. It's not possible to be allergic to something that your body produces. It's possible to allergic to be allergic to excipients or things that preserve 
that particular um, vitamin. For instance, if you have vitamin D, it does not come as pure vitamin D. It's going to be preserved in the form of a capsule or whatever that it is. And one can be allergic to the preservatives that are put in, in, in a vitamin when it's, when it's produced or manufactured. Mm. What advice and reassurance can you give, Doctor, to moms and parents who's listening to the special broadcast and this podcast and who's got problems around? Because when, when I experience allergies, to me, it's also fear. It's inconvenience. I'm thinking of in the times where we used to be able to travel freely, I'd always think, but what if it becomes worse, you know? Um, before a golf day, if I want to go and play, I stress about it because I'm going to come back with red eyes and I'm going to be ill. But we need reassurance because allergy is a real thing and it's, it's, a, it's a problem. It is a problem and it affects quality of life. It's something that we just have to live with. Mm. I would say to moms that you have to be in control. You've got this. As long as you know the right things to do, as long as you have the right medication to use, and I, like I said, most medica allergy medication are safe in pregnancy, you have to be in control. Don't let the allergy be in control of you. So if you do what needs to be done, um, your baby would be safe and you as a mom would also be safe. So have a plan, have a plan. Dr. Tsekhofatsu, this has been enlightening and it's been a pleasure chatting to you. To find out more about Dr. and her practice, she is online about allergy.co.za. She does online consultations and if you are in Gauteng, you can always go and visit her and see her in a safe environment. Dr. Tsekhofatsu, Mabelani, thank you so much for your time. Lovely, wonderful. Thanks for having me, Elena. Stay healthy. Yes, and stay safe. <laughs> This podcast is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. FedHealth's FlexiFed 2 and 3 options offer superb maternity and childhood benefits, including its free FedHealth baby program to see members through their pregnancy and parenting journeys. Choose FedHealth for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice, flexibility and control. And that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey. FedHealth. We let you be you.